With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no-empty-miles future at convoy.com sustainability. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Net Zero Carbon. I'm Tyler Cole, your host, and today I'm joined by Ken Johnson of Leonard's Express. Ken, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Tyler. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we get this opportunity to talk. I'd love to learn a little bit more, um, or our listeners should learn more. You and I actually ended up doing a little bit of work together about a decade ago back in my brokerage days. So, But catch everybody else up on, on who Leonard's Express is and where you guys are located. Well, uh, Leonard's Express is a... Uh, um, Family-owned transportation company. We do uh, brokerage. We uh, we have a fleet of our own trucks. Our uh, uh, fleet is primarily refrigerated. We do uh, some regional van operations in uh, upstate New York and uh, um, Wisconsin, Chicago lane. But our our focus is on our uh, refrigerated um, business, as well as we have uh, some warehousing operations here in uh, Farmington, as well as uh, Wilmington, Delaware. Excellent. And area coverage, kind of North America, coast to coast, northeast? Yeah, we uh, we cover the entire country. You know, we have uh, five truck terminals and several sales offices around the country. And, you know, we we cover, you know, the entire country and a little bit into Mexico. Nice. Well, thanks again for doing this. I'm excited for us to dive into this topic. We connected again uh, recently after we did an episode on this show um, with Spear Technologies talking about some engine retrofit opportunities to lower emissions in trucking. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit as you guys are piloting and, and testing some of that in your own fleet. But I'm glad we can talk about the carrier side of what's happening in the ESG space, because so often this is a, a macro, this is a multinational Fortune 100 conversation that's happening. And we rarely get the perspective of boots on the ground asset operators who are feeling the pressures day in and day out. So why don't we just start there and let you talk a little bit about what's driving some of this ESG focus for Leonard's? Well, here's a couple of things, Tyler. Uh, first off, uh, we're based in New York. Uh, New York is uh, currently working on adopting some of the uh, same rules that California has had and uh, um, with CARB, and we operate in California as well. So you know, we've been you know um, trying to stay in compliance and done a very good job of doing that, and you know, and, and using it um, you know as a uh, part of our business strategy, you know, to uh, you know lower our carbon footprint, use less natural resources, you know, and the, you know the challenges, um, um, you know, diesel's diesel, you know, it's uh, you know hasn't changed in. You know, you know, we lost some sulfur over the years, but, you know, for the most part, you know, it's the same technology. And, you know, so we have to rely on other things to uh, help us uh, manage that, you know, um, additional equipment on the on trucks, as well as looking at other opportunities to uh, um, move away from using fossil fuels in our company. I'm glad you mentioned that because you can offer a perspective that a lot of, you know, people new to the conversation don't have. And that is that we have been running diesel engines for a hundred years, and the way that we've improved to today's current emission footprint is is really through regulation, right? You saw a lot of the like sulfur and nitrous oxide attacks and, and greenhouse gas attacks in eighties in California, really designed to get rid of smog in cities. 
And you've, you've only recently in the last decade, call it, seen federal emission mandates come on the heavy duty fleet. It's always, always been there kind of on the passenger fleet. But um, so this is, has really been a top down push uh, where fleets have had to react to the changing regulatory environment around them. Do you think that's going to be consistent moving forward or are we seeing like a bottom up approach from fleets now trying to take ownership of this? Well, I think it's a little bit of both um, going forward. Uh, you know, one of the things that does concern me is the state-by-state uh, state approach to it. Um, you know, as a national operator, we certainly would uh, rather see a lot of um, these initiatives from the uh, federal government. We have over the years, you know, the uh, a lot of the EPA mandates, you know, with the uh, technology and the engines uh, lowering the emission numbers, you know, did come from the feds. But the uh, the states seem to be getting a little bit more aggressive, um, you know, putting out their own regulations. And, you know, we have to... Uh, you operate in all of them. So we have to make sure we're in compliance in all of them. So, um, but I also think that, you know, there's, you know, a strong feeling that the industry and the uh, providers to the industry, you know, need to take the lead on this. And we're starting to see that, especially, you know, with some of the uh, alternatives to uh, diesel. What are you saying start to become actual possible in that, on that front? Not, uh, not wishful thinking, but what's actually out there today that you guys can start experimenting with? Well, you know, the, uh, um, you know, electric, you know, is out there for, and, you know, and it'll work with certain uh, vocations. Uh, you know, we operate, you know, cross country long haul, um, you know, so there's, uh, you know, we'll have to be very selective, you know, from the power side, you know, what we can look at, we do have a few operations where it may make sense and we're going to have those conversations. The other uh, place that we're looking at it is on the trailer, you know, operating a fleet of about 700 refrigerated trailers, you know, the trailers, there's technology out there and there's more coming that don't rely on plugins um, for recharging. You know, it's an option, but it's not the main focus. And we really think that's a place where we can, you know, jump into it uh, fairly early on and uh, you not have to worry about our drivers finding a place to park. It's tough for them to find a place to park, period, let alone finding a place to park for the electric access. So, you know, with the uh, between solar on the roof of the trailers and the uh, electric generating axles, and we feel that, you know, there's a uh, um, you know, place in our space, you know, for us to, uh, you know, jump in with that. And we would probably be there already if it wasn't for some of the supply chain challenges that the industry is facing, because we, we do have, you know, um, some on order. They just haven't gotten to us yet. But we're, we're excited. We're looking forward to, you know, that technology. And that's very exciting. I love that that solution. And, you know, having paid attention to California's market for many years, E-Trues, e right, Electric uh, trailer refrigeration units have been something on the rise that are actually incentivized in certain states. But you brought up that interesting point of, you know, we have to manage expectations from stakeholders in all these different regions, let alone our customers and our maintenance operators, right? It's How do you start working with the the maintenance and safety guys thinking through, all right, now we're not just managing, you know, gallons per mile. We're thinking about like cost per kilowatt hour that we're trying to charge these trucks. That's a mind shift, right? Right. Well, you know, and it's, you know, it's interesting. We're building a new refrigerated warehouse nearby and uh, we're having to uh, spend a fair amount on bringing in the infrastructure um, to have enough electricity available to run, you know, the facility. So, you know, you know that's a big conversation as the industry moves more towards electric um, vehicles is, you know, where's the power going to come from? Who's going to pay for the infrastructure? Uh, you know, and, you know, who's going to manage it and how's that going to be managed? So, you know, there's a lot of questions. You know, there's fleets operating um, 100% electric vehicles now. And, uh, you know, and they've made that, you know, commitment and they've put in the infrastructure. But, 
you know, I, there's a lot of places on the grid that doesn't have the capacity to handle the electric. And, you know, that's got to be addressed um, at some point. And I also think that, uh, you know, for the bulk of our business, the over the road long haul stuff, you know, there's probably going to be a technology, um, you know, coming, whether it's hydrogen or, you know, something else that, you know, will uh, um, replace the needs for plugging in, you know, it'd be more like filling up um, and it'd just be filling up with something different. So, yeah, I agree with you. And I, we could spend probably an hour talking through all the different technologies that I find fascinating and I'm somewhat bullish on. But why don't we talk current state for a sec, too, and talk about how how Leonard thinks through, um, you know, beyond just kind of EPA smart way reporting. How do we express what we're doing to your customers? Well, we we have a, uh, you know, being in the refrigerated side of the business you know, and uh, um, primarily on the chilled side, but we deal with a lot of companies that you know, are in um agricultural or dairy and you know they're um you know they have their own initiatives you know and and we talk to them about what we're doing what we're doing and a lot of them come to us and ask what we're doing you know because they're interested and they want to partner with fleets that are you know of the same mindset as them and you know so you know we, we feel that you know by um you know looking in this technology and talking to our customers you know uh, you know it puts us in a good position um, you know, to continue doing business with them and maybe do more business. But it also, you know, it, it reflects well on our company, you know, that we're willing to, you know, look at new things, you know, that improves the um, environment and the communities that we live in and work in. Totally agree. That makes me think of a question when you're talking about that specific, like dairy farms kind of raised this idea in my head, the idea of we're in an escalated rate environment just based on disruption that we've seen over the last two years. We're also at somewhat of an outset of this energy transition and you're thinking through how do I cover these incremental costs of new technologies being rolled out in the fleet to cut emissions? Is there an appetite among shippers to increase like dedicated type operations? You said dairy, it made me think RNG. If they're producing the fuel, they could just do that themselves. Are there other scenarios like that where people are approaching you with that sort of idea? Well, you know, when we started talking about operating the electric uh um, refrigerated trailers. We had a handful of customers, you know, when we talked to them about what we were doing, you know, they were interested in being part of that pilot and, uh, you know, putting together, you know, potentially uh, dedicated lanes or, um, you know, working with them so that, you know, they could have, you know, some of that equipment um, exclusive use of, and we could share the information that we're learning from it, you know, to see, uh, you know, how that um, benefits both of us mutually. And, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the dairy, you know, the aspect of it, you know, we're a little further up the uh, food chain than, um, you know, some of the, uh, um, you know, methane, you know, that type of stuff where they're turning, you know, the uh, waste into power. But, uh, um, you know, a lot of it's just, you know, their corporate parents, um, you know, green initiatives their own. And, you know, they, they, they are looking for whether it's, you know, the person that provides them packaging or the person that provides, um, you know, with the, on the raw material or those of us that are providing them with uh, transportation um uh, resources to, you know, be a part of their solution. Is there someone uh, that's kind of like the the green czar within Leonard's Express? Like, how do you train? Because you need to be tackling this on multiple fronts, right? Your sales staff has to be working with customers to understand, bring back their needs, but also communicate back, hey, here's the things we're working on. But outside of like an EPA smart way, we don't really have an industry standard for like, what is green freight? So how do, how do you guys think about internalizing that messaging and housing that data how do you manage that? Well, we have a uh, management training program that uh, we bring in young folks from uh, um, you know different schools with different backgrounds, and you know through the interview process, you know they, um, we bring them into our management training program, and we 
had a couple of these young, um, happen, um, young men in this case that came to us and said, uh, you know, we would like to start a sustainability committee. Um, you know, we, we see you doing things and um, trying different things, but, you know, we feel that, you know, by having a committee, we can put it all in one place and, um, you know, look at the things that we're doing, uh, you know, and, um, you know, so there's not one person, um, if there's close to one person, I guess it would be myself and um, my uh, brothers who uh, own a company. And, you know, then when we're looking, you know, at spending the money on, you know, the different technologies, but, you know, these folks on the sustainability committee, we work together and, you know, evaluate different things, talk through things. And, you know, is this something that we want to try? You know, is this something maybe we want to wait and see and, you know, review in 12 months or 18 months? You know, and we've done both. And, you know, and it's not just, you know, obviously, you know, the uh, the truck and the trailer is the most visible part of, you know, the transportation. But, you know, we have buildings, you know, and we have warehouses, we've got shops. And, uh, um, you know, there's all sorts of opportunities to be uh, smarter about the uh, way we use energy, you know, within those facilities. And, you know, they've came up with several good ideas, you know, to uh, uh, improve that. You know, it's not just, you know, the truck and the trailer that we're looking at. With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com sustainability. Definitely. Y'all are a great case study because you do get that full scope one, two, and three when we're thinking about isolated power units, right? It's all about where and how you're buying your power, what's electrified in and on top of those buildings. So yeah, y'all are certainly a fascinating case study for that. So Ken, we did an episode in early December with Jack from SPI.Systems, and I understand you guys are one of the early adopters of their new engine technologies out, right? Right. Uh, we've been working with Jack Schickler on uh, putting the Spear system on our trucks. <clears throat> we... Uh, Originally put on a couple of trucks to get started with the evaluations, and that since has grown to where we have it on over 10 trucks now. Awesome. Talk to me a little bit about, about just truck and trailer. So you guys, we mentioned Spear earlier. Can you go into a little bit of what you guys are doing with that specific experimentation? Yeah, um, I got involved with Spear when it was still pretty much a, a concept on a piece of paper. Jack had done a little bit of work uh, with a... Um, a smaller, smaller vehicle, but, uh, you know, and he saw some interesting things, you know, so we gave them three trucks initially and, you know, rigged the trucks and, you know, the initial goal, which, you know, was relevant and important, you know, was better fuel economy. And, um, you know, and we've had, you know, success in that realm, but, uh, what you know, they found through various, um, tests and, um, you know, evaluations and, um, you know, taking it to third-party testing um, outfits like the Rochester Institute of Technology was that in addition to the uh, reduced um, fuel usage, you know, it was significantly reducing the emissions out the tailpipe, you know, which, you know, if you understand the basic concept of it, kind of makes sense because you're recirculating the uh, exhaust back in you know, to the uh, engine to get the oxygen out of it. But, you know, so it, it and what gives me hope is, you know, when you when you're looking at, um, you know, the state regulations, you know, they focused, um, they tend to focus on you know, one technology like New York, you know, really looks, you know, is looking hard at electric vehicles. Well, that that's great. Um, you know, and that's going to be, you know, relevant in five, 10, 15 years, maybe longer, depending on the, uh, um, vocation, but, 
we have to have bridge fuels. We have to have, you know, the ways to reduce the emissions along the way, you know, to, um, you know, continue to be um, able to do what we do. And, you know, and to me, this is a very um, simple way mechanically of reducing emissions, you know, without um, putting a lot of the uh, issues on the truck that, you know, some of the other um, initiatives to uh, lower emissions, you know, Ben, you know, some of the, uh, um, things over the years that we've dealt with, you know, they were maintenance nightmares. You know, they would put trucks down for days or weeks at a time. Um, you know, the uh, technology came out um, far too quickly, in my opinion. And, you know, and it was, uh, you know, eventually got there, you know, and it eventually did what it was supposed to do. But, you know, it was, um, you know, fairly painful getting um, through that where, you know, um, Spears, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's not a lot of moving parts. So there's not a lot of things that can break. And it's uh, and it works. You know, it's we've uh, right now. I think we've got uh, ten or eleven trucks. Um, you know, still running it. Uh, plus, um, you know, I work a lot with them, so I know some of the other things. I've got a few other fleets that are starting to try it and build an interest in it. And so, uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's something that uh, takes off. And you know, we'll uh, you know we'll continue to evaluate it. And you know, we're now looking at some of the longer term um, you know, fuel and mileage and emissions. You know the. the um, you know, they also uh, vary seasonally. So you know, we're looking at what, you know, some of the temperature swings and so on to make sure that the uh, way it's rigged, you know, is uh, bulletproof and, you know, works in all four seasons. So, you know, Jack's done a great job at uh, um, putting studies together to track that. Yeah, I get really excited about solutions like that, that are low cost, innovative and don't require uh, over engineering, as you might say. <laughs> But if anybody doesn't know that system, we did an episode with Jack and uh, Spear Systems back in, I think it came out in early December. So we've been pointing listeners to the tv.freightwaves.com to go check that one out. But um, I, I enjoy hearing fleets continuously trying to improve and understanding that this is this is not a zero-sum game, right? We're all going to continue to be here and moving freight for the long term. But as long as we are keeping up with trends in the marketplace and investing where appropriate, to lower costs, which is a great win for everybody, or improve customer satisfaction. That's where I need to see more fleets going. What do you think the landscape is among your competitors of people who are trying to be innovative in that space? You know, I think that it uh, probably runs a gamut, you know, that there's uh, um, fleets out there that are uh, um, quite innovative, you know, quite interested in trying new things, uh, maybe even have an engineering department, you know, that, uh, you know, they um, run those through. And you know, I think there's others that are uh, um, probably going to be dragged into the technology kicking and streaming a little bit. Um, you know, when California made a lot of, uh, you know, the changes they made with the CARB rules, you know, there was a lot, of especially smaller fleets that, you know, um, operated their older equipment right up to the day they didn't, they couldn't. And, you know, and so, uh, you know, I, so I think it's going to be all over the board. You know, it's, it, you know, let's, let's be frank, it takes money to invest, um, you know, and um, evaluate, not just invest, but to evaluate to make sure, you know, that it's working the way it should and it's producing the results the way that it should. You know, so, you know, size does have a little bit of an advantage there having, the, you know, and providing the resources. But, um, you know, there, and there's technologies and it's not just, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, zero emissions or lowering the emissions, that, you know, that we look at. Um, you know, and we jump right in fairly quickly. There's others that, you know, we may be a little bit more, you know, of uh, let's wait, you know, and let some of our uh, competitors, um, you know, work through this and, you know, we'll follow back up, you know, in a six, eight, um, 12 months from now and, you know, see how it works out. You know, 
we like to be on the leading edge, but we don't always want to be out there on the bleeding edge. I know that's an old statement, but, um, uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of places where, you know, we're comfortable being out front other places. We want to maybe take a step back and make sure that what we're doing is right for Leonard's. Another good point to what you mentioned, what you mentioned earlier around having a sustainability committee. I'm sure that helps as you guys evaluate that. It's not just an owner in a vacuum trying to determine where he spends his money. You guys are set up that way on purpose. I'd imagine you mentioned size matters. Um, Obviously, you've got to be a good operator, even if you have that size to be able to have those funds to reinvest. Is there a profile where, um, you know, is someone with 50 trucks more likely to be able to have that versus someone with 20 or someone with 500? Is there a size that's too small to be seen like experimenting in that way? You know, it's uh, it's interesting. I've seen uh, owner operators with uh, operating two or three uh, trucks get involved in projects. Um you know, and, you know, larger ones that didn't want anything to do with it. I think the ones that are smaller that are getting involved are, uh, um, you know, they're probably looking at, you know, the fact that, you know, a lot of the emission things, um, you know, cost us fuel economy, but, you know, some of them, you know, like uh, Spirit, you know, provide um, gains, you know, so they they see that as a um, win-win. Um, you know, where some of the larger ones that aren't involved, you know, they, you know, they're, like I said, may not be as well run or, you know, maybe they just don't have anyone in the company that's taken an interest. But, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, going to, they're going to find that that's short-sighted and um, is probably going to uh, haunt them in the long run. You know, it's, uh, in my opinion, you got to be out there looking at what's out there, you know, and what's coming down the pike at us, you know, and, and be prepared for it. And, you know, I'd rather not, I don't like surprises um, unless I'm the one causing them. <laughs> Exactly right. Exactly right. But it is fascinating thinking about the groups that have dedicated resources for, you know, even things like um, grant applications in some of these markets that have programs where they're trying to incent these new technologies or or like the uh, the STEER Act, which was up in, in the House recently that would provide stipends for some of these emission saving technologies, which would be a great fit for something like a SPEAR system. But can the smaller fleets as a representative sample, take advantage of those same opportunities is, is where it's challenging, I think. Well, yeah, I agree. You know, and especially when it comes to grants, um, you know, some of the uh, manufacturers of these products, you know, have employed people that will help, you know, a, a smaller operator, or even larger operator through that process. You know, each state, as well as the feds, you know, they have a different process. They have different rules, uh, you know, like with the, you know, some of the, um, refrigerated technology you have to uh, to get the grant you have to uh, take a um, a diesel engine out of service um you know we didn't qualify for some of those simply because we don't run our um, equipment as long as that grant required you know so you know working through some of those things you know it, it takes a layer of expertise that you know i think um, the smart manufacturers have that and provide that because uh you know each type of technology may take a little bit different layer of expertise and knowing their way around, you know, the uh, different rules that are in place and, you know, and, and state grants, you know, and New York city even has some grants, you know, they change every year, every two years, you know, as uh, new administrations come and go and the, uh, the, the grants expire and they have to write new ones and, you know, they may change the uh, terms and conditions. So having that knowledge, um, you know, there's very few fleets that I know of that have that vast knowledge within their own four walls. I think we're all kind of figuring this out on the fly. I know I even hosting the show, I feel like I have imposter syndrome every day. So I get to talk to, you know, fleets like you who are in the trenches trying to learn from experts and what's happening on the ground. Tell me a little bit about, you know, 
kind of your story in this, right? Why does sustainability matter to you? Um, is this just a business climate changing or are you truly, you know, maybe not a climate alarmist, but where are your interests in this life? You know, it's, you know, I have several, um, several interests. Uh, you know, first off, you know, I have grandchildren, you know, so, uh, um, you know, providing a uh, safe and healthy future for them and their generation is important to me, but also, uh, you know, it's an industry image, you know, the, uh, you know, the old visual of a truck going down on the road, blowing black smoke. You know, that's not what we want to be um, viewed as, you know, we want to be, you know, viewed as, you know, a contributing member of the uh, society that's, you know, doing the right thing, you know, and cutting our emissions and, you know, putting safe uh, equipment on the road that, you know, doesn't pollute. Um, you know, so, you know, it's, you know, it's part of that. Plus, you know, in a selfish way, um, you know, the younger people want to work for companies, you know, that, um, you know, are doing the right things. You know, they're not interested in, you know, working for old um, school mentality that, uh, you know, that's the way it's always been. It's not going to change, you know. So, you know, we feel, you know, we you know want to create an environment where, you know, all generations, you know, are happy and comfortable coming to work. And, you know, and, you know the generation coming out of college, now they, they want to work, um, um, you know, and feel that the places they're working have the uh, right purpose in line with their values. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's, you know, great. You know, it's, uh, they got a lot of great ideas and, you know, they kind of um, maybe push us outside of our comfort zone, but in a good way. Definitely. You got to adapt. That's the name of the game and always has been the name of the game. You mentioned industry image, you know, with the smoke blowing out the top of the stack. It makes me think like, I hope this industry doesn't turn into, you know, the Philip Morris tobacco industries of the past that were vilified, right? We've got to work on staying current with new regulations and what the customers are really asking for us and not get stuck in the way we've always done it because it just is. So I'm, I'm glad that you and Leonard's are helping have this conversation and help drive industry forward. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And I would love to check back in later this year once you guys get some more results or the supply chain issues maybe get massaged a little bit and we get some of those solar trailers on the road. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, we're looking forward to that and love to have uh, another conversation once we uh, do that, Tyler. Awesome. Appreciate uh, being here today. My pleasure. Thanks, Ken. We'll catch up later. Thank you.